our reading this morning is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we read verses 1 to 11, and then verse 16. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socho in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Socho and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Verse 16. For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. This is the word of the Lord. Actually, Stephen, just before you sit down, would you mind just saying to downstairs we'll be five minutes late uh, in terms of pickup? Would that be okay? Um, just to say, as part of the dynamics of Sunday morning, is that we try and finish by quarter past so that uh, the children's leaders don't have too long with the children. And we want to honour that, uh, and so, and we will do that. But I just need to say, if we do, for whatever reason, go on a bit uh, beyond that, uh, do feel free to leave at any point. You know, you don't have to be here. You can just walk out and, and get your children. Uh, some of you may want to walk out now before I preach. I do understand that. Um, but actually, if you could just wait one or two minutes until I've got through the first sentence, that would, you know, help me feeling not too discouraged. Okay. Um, one of the aspects of being British I'd like to suggest to you is that we love, and traditionally this is a characteristic, we love underdog stories. There's something about underdog stories that really warms our heart in a way that sometimes someone who's had unparalleled success barely touches us. Whether it's about being an island nation, I'm sure that has something to do with it. But also whether we, you know, when we watch the Olympics and see people who've struggled for years suddenly achieve their dream. Even Eddie the Eagle, I know that's dating me somewhat, uh, but as someone who comes against the odds to fulfill their dream. 
or a musician or an artist who was ignored all their life, only to find out they were celebrated towards the end of their life. Or a business person who went through defeat, failure, 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 finally to success. There's something about those stories that grabs our heart in a slightly different way to ones of unparalleled success. This morning we're looking at this, a really well-known famous passage in the Bible of uh, David and Goliath. And this term we're going to think about what it means to display God's splendour as we begin to kind of think about how our vision comes to life. We're, going, we're coming out of lockdown, but we're also not sure what the next few months looks like. And we're also going to study the book of Galatians and see what it means to be God's free people. But this morning I want to start, just before we begin a term, how do we, how do you, how do I overcome the obstacles that are currently in your life? The things that dog your life day by day, week by week, month by month. How do we feed our Goliaths? Let me pray for a second. Father, I want to thank you this morning that you are sufficient for us. There's nothing about our lives that you don't know and that can be awe-inspiring and intimidating because we're conscious of our failures. But it's also glorious because you are great, majestic, powerful, and we are merely human. And your love for us continues to amaze us, and I thank you for that. Amen. So this morning I want to start by thinking, so what's your Goliath? I've prompted you to think that. And in this story, which is so well known, Goliath here is obviously a massive opponent Depending on what the ancient manuscript that you read, he's either nine feet tall, that you, I think you read in the NLT, the New Living Translation, or he's nearly seven feet tall. But either way, he's massive. This is a massive opponent. The author spends, which Stephen read, quite a bit of time focusing on the weapons that Goliath carried with him. His shield, his spear. Apparently he was carrying over a hundred pounds worth of armour on him. Basically, he was an ancient, powerful, massive warrior symbol. And Goliath is a symbol of the adversaries you will face and I will face in our lives. And I wonder what that greatest challenge you're facing in your life is this morning. For some of us, it may be the fact that we were abused in the past, and that continues to shape our lives. Or it's a failed relationship that we haven't actually got over ever. We may be struggling with addiction, seen or unseen, alcoholism. We may have constant arguments, maybe constant tension at home that is robbing you of life. You may be struggling with your mental health and with depression. You may have financial worries that are constantly there. Worries about family, worries about work. Because the thing is this, life in this good but fallen world and a broken world will always present us with problems that are bigger than ourselves. 
problems that are bigger than we can sort out in our own strength. And the fundamental question for us as Christian believers as we face those problems is this, what's your response to Goliath? How are you currently responding to the Goliath in your life? It's clear from the Bible that here Goliath is a symbol not only of overwhelming challenges, but it's also a test. In here there's a test. It's a symbol of God's testing. When you see verse 16 that Stephen read at the end, you'll say, for 40 days the Philistine came forward and every morning, every evening, took his stand. 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath bellowed. And Goliath challenges the people of Israel, taunting them and mocking Israel's God, Yahweh. Now the number 40 is very significant in the Bible. It's often linked to times of testing. Think Noah and the flood. Think Moses in the wilderness. Think Jonah to the Ninevites. Think Jesus' temptations. Tests and trials in the Bible, often measured in periods of 40. And the question is, when we face those challenges, when we face those tests coming our way, that we know are beyond our strength to solve, we ought to have in our minds as Christians that this involves some kind of testing as well. And how will I respond to this test? Will I respond to it in faith? Will I respond to it in fear? Will I respond to it in faith? Or will I respond to it in fear? In verse 11 in the passage, you'll see that the Israelites responded to Goliath in fear. On hearing the Philistines' words in verse 11, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And let's be honest this morning. There are lots of issues in our world that it's quite normal to be fearful of. Having lived through the last 18 months, I wonder whether this morning is a good opportunity for you to check in and be honest, both to yourself but also with God. How are you facing up to the challenges to your health, for example? Sociologists Apparently, when they write, I've read, wrote a few things that people have written this, say that while our issues are not necessarily any greater than our ancestors faced in their times, in our generation we have one major disadvantage to previous generations, to the challenges we all face. And that's because of the breakdown in, in community and the breakdown in family relationships. Many of us face our Goliaths on our own, and that makes things far much worse far much worse. And that's why as a church, we continue to be, uh, seek to be a blessing where we can be and share together and share those challenges together, support each other and walk with each other. So the question that is, if this morning, if there is a challenge about do I face my challenges with fear or do I challenge my, take my challenges with faith, you say, well, Tim, I don't want to be the person who shrinks in fear. Do you know, I really don't want to shrink in fear. I do want to take a step of faith. I do want to step forward rather than just to shrink back in fear. So how do we do it? How do we grow in faith? How do we deepen our faith? How do we mature in faith? How do we become stronger as a Christian? 
And it very simply has to do with this. It has to do with where your eyes are fixed. That's the start. It has to do with where your eyes are fixed. Three things. Firstly, you've got to look at God. Verse 26, that's partly on your nature sheep. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So how, what do we find in Scripture when people have to face their fears or face challenges that seem beyond them? They discover that God is bigger than whatever those challenges are that face you. That if you want to use an analogy, that a giant redwood tree next to a hawthorn tree makes your hawthorn tree seem insignificant in comparison to how great and powerful and big God is. David had learned that God was big. He had encountered the living God who was greater and bigger than the challenges that he was facing. So he wasn't intimidated. He wasn't intimidated when Goliath came to him. Robert Murray McChain, who's a great Scottish pastor, uh, once says this, for every one look at your sins, take ten looks at Christ. For every one look at your sins this morning, take ten looks at Christ. Three things this morning. Firstly, look at God's activity in your life in the past. Verse 34 and 37 that we didn't read that are in 1 Samuel 17 here said this. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Interestingly, Goliath's very presence caused David to remember God's faithfulness, what God had done in the past. David remembered how God had given the strength to wrestle a lion and a bear. Can God do the same thing with a giant? Remembering God's, God's past faithfulness causes us to grow in faith. Friends, when was the last time you actively took some time simply to remember anything that you can celebrate of what God has done in your life? Of how you can recall how God has been faithful to you? Remember what God has done. How he's provided for you. How he's forgiven your sins. How he's helped you. How he's given you strength. How he's done all those things. I haven't got time this morning. A bit short. But as a church... We can look back again and again, generation after generation, how God has been faithful to us and the many miracles over many generations. We have a well of faithfulness of God 
And you need not to forget what God has done. Secondly, you need to look at God's activity in the present. In verse 40, so I am rustling through this. Really famous verse. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. So this morning, what are the five stones that God's given you that are sufficient for you to face your Goliath? What are the five stones God has already given you that are sufficient for? And you think, well, I have no idea, Tim, this morning. Well, let me suggest to you, you start somewhere. Simply remind yourself what Jesus said. I am with you always. I am with you always. Are you facing health concerns? Jesus says to you, I am with you always. Are you struggling to find purpose and direction for your life? I am with you always. Are your family relationships disastrous? I am with you always. Are you wrestling with singleness or isolation? having outlived generation after generation, I am with you always. Christians are never away from the presence of the living God. He will give us our stones. And if you're struggling to know God's presence with you in the present today, why not repeat Psalm 139, verse 7 to 10. This week. Just read it each night before you go to bed, each morning you get up, pick up the Bible, pick up Psalm 139, read verses 7 to 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, Lord, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even on the Isle of Man, even there, Your right hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If you're struggling to experience and to know the presence of God in the present, remind yourself of what God says. There's a pastor who, uh, currently to his church, keeps saying this to them. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. And then lastly, it looks at God's activity in the future. If you look at verses 25 to 27, you see David is actually motivated by the prospect of reward here. Wealth, marriage, exemption from taxes, that sounds lovely. Uh, it's a heady cocktail of rewards he's, uh, he takes note of. And the Bible tells us stories about heroes and heroines who were able to overcome their fears and do God's will because of a conviction there was something bigger, there was something better, something stronger, that beyond their immediate comfort or security, the promise of a better future. So I wonder this morning, what are you longing for that you will sacrifice for? What are you looking for in the future that you want to and know you'd love to sacrifice for? You know, we haven't got time this morning, but we long to be a church that brings the good news to all in all its different ways. 
And that's partly what we're going to think through in a couple of weeks' time. I haven't got time. But that's what we're looking to do. We want to be something for every generation. To bring the good news to all. And that's obviously what I, partly what I'm paid for, but that's what I'm sacrificing for. And hopefully you are too, to say, Lord, we want to be a church who find faith in God, who bring comfort, heal sick, feed the poor, reach out to those who are lost, give them purpose, all the ways in which when the kingdom of God comes, that's what we're committed to. And so as we re-engage and recommit uh, this term and begin to journey again after being off for the summer, what will enable us to grow into the church God's called us to be? You know, it may take time, it may take money, it may take commitment. But actually it's worth it if it's for his glory and his splendor. So how do we choose faith rather than fear? It starts with, don't look at yourself. Don't look at Goliath. Look at the Lord. Look at the Lord in the past, today, and in the future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great faithfulness to us. Thank you that you're here this morning by your spirit. Father, you thank you that you know what each one of us are facing. Some of you may be sat here thinking my fears are small in comparison to others, but actually they dominate your life. And but so Father, afresh as we come this morning, we ask would you come and minister to us Restore hope where we've got downcast. Turn our heads towards you where we've got lost in the challenges we face and our own weakness to beat, to beat it. In Jesus' name, amen.